Our text today is in Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15 as we consider the story of Abraham and his life. We come to Genesis chapter number 15 today for our text. There were two sisters. One was named Edith and the other was Ethel. Edith was my grandmother on my mother's side. She died at 54, so I never met her. But I was told that she was a worry wart. They said when company came, if they asked Edith how she was feeling, she'd start to complain. And by the time company left, she was in bed sick. Quite literally, she worried herself sick. Grandma's sister was named Ethel. We always just called her Auntie. She was a sweet lady. She loved to come stay with Uncle Ed for three or four weeks at a time. And she'd get up and cook breakfast for the farm workers after the chores in the morning. Remember one morning, Big Carl and I came into the house for breakfast. And as soon as we walked in the door, Auntie came rushing out, and her eyes were all wild and crazy looking. And she was wringing her hands. And she said, I hear it's going to rain today with thunder and lightning. She was absolutely terrified by that. She had a look of terror in her face. It wasn't raining at that time. Uh, She just heard a weather report. And she was worried sick about the possibility of a thunderstorm. The dictionary defines worry as anxiety and uneasiness about what may happen. Not uneasiness about what is happening. That's not the definition. Uh, But what about what may happen? Worry is a concern over something That didn't happen yet. It could, possibly, but it hasn't yet. Grandma Edith and Auntie were worry wars, which a dictionary says is somebody who worries too much. One of the things about being human is that we don't know what the future holds. So I suppose a natural thing for us to worry, because we look into the future, it's dark for us, We're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, But we worry about a negative outcome. And it's easy for us to worry too much. And we become worry warts. When I was a kid, we used to sing this little song. It says, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? A lot of those little songs were filled with good advice. In our text today, Abraham is worried. Doesn't say right out that he was worried, but allows you to draw that conclusion by reading between the lines. So let's see what's worrying Abraham and what he's going to do about it. Now, you recall last week's sermon, Abraham was told that his nephew Lot was taken captive by these four kings who had joined forces and came out of the north. 
So Abraham gathered his servants, 318 men, and went off to get his nephew back. He split the group and did a strategic nighttime attack. And he retook Lot and the women and children of Sodom. He seized all the spoils of war, flocks of sheep, and food goods. And he turned around and came home. And you recall he sacrificed to God for his victory through Melchizedek. And then he returned all the spoils of war to the king of Sodom, refusing to take any reward for his services. Now, I think when Abraham finally got back to his tent and stopped to think about that daring raid that he had just accomplished, they began to worry a little bit. What if those four kings reorganize and come back and attack Abraham and his camp? They had superior numbers. And they could come back with revenge on their minds. So he got a little worried, sort of a natural response to what could happen. So Abraham does what he so often did. He went to his altar and he called on God. Like the little song says, why worry, 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 when you can pray. And that brings us to chapter 15. Now we have seen often in the texts that Abraham pitches his tent and next to his tent he builds an altar. Now for the first time in chapter 15, we get to see exactly what happens when he goes to his altar. We're allowed to observe what happens when Abraham talks to God. So we need to get ready for a very unusual experience. There's going to be visions and dreams and sacrifice, fire and smoke. God is coming to meet Abraham. And by the way, it's not just an hour visit. <laughs> You will note as we go through it, it's just God didn't stop in for a little chat. It's a real meeting, different than we're used to. So Genesis chapter 15, we begin at verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After what things? Well, uh, after the battle and the midnight raid that he'd accomplished, those things that are now making him a little worried... After that, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So God comes this time in a vision. Uh, that is, well, Abraham is awake. God appears to him. How did he appear? In what form? I don't know. Sometimes God appeared as light. The Bible calls it Shekinah. Sometimes God appears on a throne. And we see his majesty and his might. Other times God appears in very quiet ways. 
You remember Moses at the burning bush. Remember Elijah in the cave heard a still small voice. It doesn't say how God appeared to Abraham, but I get the feeling it was a powerful display of majesty from the heavens. And why? Because the first words that God says to Abraham are, Fear not. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'll be your shield. If Abraham worried about those four kings coming back, God said, don't be afraid of them. I'll shield you. I'll protect you. And remember, Abraham gave all up the rewards that he had, the spoils of war. And now God said, that's no big deal. I'm your reward. Now, my friends, that is a wonderful thing for God to say. That's a wonderful thing. And we're going to come back to it and consider it more carefully in just a minute. But let's go on here. Abraham and God talk back and forth like old friends. So let's listen in to their conversation. Verse 2. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And so, God, there's something else I'd like to tell you has been worrying me. You said, God, when I left my home, you would make of me a great nation. I've been thinking about that. And I'm in my 80s now. And as of yet, I don't have any children. And if I die, I leave my estate to a servant named Eliezer. So what about it, God? I'm worried about that too. God answers at verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look towards this heaven. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. Come outside, Abraham. Come out. Let's look up at the stars. And Abraham looks up. Can you count them? Well, no. There's too many to count, and I can't count them. That's how many offspring you will have. Abraham said, okay, I'm not worried anymore about that. I'm feeling better. Thank you, God. Just like that. God said, Abraham believes me, and that's all it takes. Why worry when you can pray? I'm sure Abraham and God enjoyed the night sky together and they waited until the sun came up. It's now the second day at the altar. Verse 7. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it. God said, I'm, this land, as we watch the sun come up, this property all around you, I'm going to give it to your children. Abraham says, prove it. Prove it. I don't advise that. 
But Abraham was able to say it. He's God's friend. God is willing to prove it, too. God is Abraham's friend. Verse 9. He said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, divided them in the midst, laid each piece one against the other, but the birds he divided not. So God tells Abraham, okay, we'll talk more, but I want you to make a sacrifice. There's going to be one full-grown heifer. Three-year-old is full-grown. One goat. One ram, a male sheep. These have got to be three-year-old too, the best you got. And I want you to get a dove and a pigeon. Now, this is going to take some time, right? You don't do it in three minutes. It's going to take some time. First, you're going to gather the animals together by your altar, and you're going to butcher them right there with just a knife. And you clean them, and you skin them, and you cut the carcasses in half, and you lay them on the altar. So why does God tell Abraham to make all these sacrifices? Because God's dealing with man are always centered around a sacrifice. God first appeared to Abraham here in a vision, but now Abraham wants more. Prove to me my people will inherit this land. Okay, Abraham, prepare the five sacrifices and approach me with your five sacrifices. Get them ready, but don't come without a sacrifice. No different today, my friend. It's exactly the same today. Jesus said, Take communion in remembrance of me. Approach God remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made with his body and with his blood. We still come for the sacrifice. When you pray, you're going to say, In Jesus' name. You come to God with the sacrifice and you say, it's in Jesus' name. We can approach God because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. So Abraham also must bring a sacrifice. The blood of the heifer and the goat and the ram and the birds are shed. The sacrifices are laid out on the altar. He says he laid half of them on one side and he split the animals in half and laid the other half on the other side of the altar. And here's a little bit of extra information. It's a funny verse to put in here, verse 11. And when the fowls came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. (laughs) I like that. Takes time to butcher the animals. Three full-size animals. Takes time to prepare the sacrifice. And as the time is going by, the scavenger birds come to land on the carcasses that are laid out on the altar. And Abraham drives them away. Get out of here. Why is that included in this text? My friends, when you set aside time for God, that's what Abraham has done, 
He set aside this whole day to make a sacrifice. When you set aside time for God, there's always going to be some scavenger going to try to steal your time. Don't let those scavengers steal what you've set aside for God. This is God's time. Don't try to steal it away like Abraham. Drive those birds away. Now, it's been all day. The sacrifices are finished. They're laid out on the altar. Everything is ready and the sun is going down. Verse 12. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. The night before, he was looking at the stars with God. That was fun. He looked at the stars with God. <coughs> now tonight is a little different. He falls asleep, it says, into a deep sleep, and he dreams. It's darkness. It's a scary black darkness in his dream. Have you ever had a dream woke up with your heart pounding? I had a couple of them. <laughs> Is Abraham having a bad dream when he wakes up in the dark? Or he's sleeping? Well, yes and no. Let's see what God says. Verse 13. And he said to Abram, Know of a certainty thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve I will judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. If thou, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come thither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full yet. Abraham says God, while well, he's sleeping in the dream, in this dark, scary dream, he said, your descendants are going into slavery for 400 years. After that, now that's a long time. After that, they'll go free, and they'll come back to this land. And by then, when they get here, the people in this land will be some of the most evil people of all time. Then, your descendants will take the land. Is that bad news? Well, shows a dark time coming. 400 years of slavery is a long time. But, Abraham, here's a little good news. You're going to live to a ripe old age and go off to your fathers. There's your good news. You're going to have a good life the rest of yours. The darkness, a scary darkness. God is hidden in the dark. For 400 years, God is hidden from those people in slavery in Egypt. Hidden in the darkness. But now, my friends, watch one of the strangest things in the whole Bible. You see nothing like this anywhere else. It's strange and unusual. Verse 17. It came to pass when the sun went down 
it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Now remember, the carcasses of the animals are laid out half on one side of the altar and half on the other side. And now, passing between those comes what he calls a furnace. There's a very hot fire and black smoke pours out of the fire. It is smoky and very dark. And the fire consumes the sacrifices, a sign that God accepts Abraham's approach. And then following that consuming fire of the sacrifices, actually a torch, a light, penetrating that darkness. First the hot, raging, black, smoky fire, followed by a torch, penetrating the darkness, proving that in the darkness, when we didn't know what was going on, we were safe. Abraham's horror of darkness is followed by a light. Now we can see what the future holds. So God's first words were, fear not, Abraham. Yeah, but I'm worried about a lot of things. About those four kings coming back and attacking me. And will I ever have a child of my own? I'm worried about that. Will my children inherit this land? Fear not, Abraham. I am your exceeding great reward. The best thing you can get from God is God himself. We worry about a lot of things. We worry about too many things. What does the future hold? We're in the dark. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what is coming and it seems like God is hidden from us in the darkness as we face it. It's okay. With God, we're safe in the darkness. He will send a light eventually. But now we're safe in the darkness. The best gift God can ever give us is himself. I, he said, am thy exceeding great reward. My friends, every one of us has a craving inside of us. We have a hunger inside of us. It was put there by God. God put it in us when he made us. Pascal was a famous French mathematician. He was also a famous worshiper of God. And Pascal said that in every heart there is a vacuum. And it's a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. The best thing you can do is let him in and let him fill that vacuum. 
If we are in the darkness, no need to worry. The future is certain so long as God fills the void in your heart. He will send a torch of light later on to clear away the darkness. Verse 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. God said to Abraham, You and I got a deal. I give you my word. Here's my promise to you. I've sealed it by the sacrifice. I've accepted it by fire. And I've revealed it by the light. What we want most, my friends, is to be loved and to love in return. That's what the human heart is longing for. My friends, is there any better reward than to be inundated by the love of God? Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless and free, flowing like a mighty ocean in its fullness over me, underneath me, all around me is the current of thy love leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. This passage teaches us, lay aside your worries and lay aside your fears. God says, I am your exceeding great reward. You can trust him in the darkness. He will lead you into the light. In this uncertain and confused world that we live in, in the darkness of this world, and in the uncertainty of our future, when so much seems to have gone wrong, may God be your shield and your exceeding great reward. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you told Abraham long ago, how you allayed his fears and set him free. We pray that you would do that for us this day. We know that we have a part to play. We've got to open up that heart and let God come in. Help us to do that. Help us to open up to you and realize the best thing we can have is not some blessing, but it's God himself coming into our hearts. We thank you for these passages that teach us about you. See, Abraham was willing to spend two days with God. Help us to be willing to make those kind of choices those determinations that we might be also called the friend of God, that he might be our exceeding great reward. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, like you turn your hymn book, if you will, hymn number 352, standing as we sing. Hymn number 352, standing as we sing. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Page 352. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. 
close a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you as we need to know you more deeply. Lord, we ask that you would help us, like Abraham, to take that time, to spend that time with you. Help us not to have those scavengers come and take away things, the things that would distract us and pull us away. Forgive us for those things and help us to come nearer to you, we Lord, we pray. We pray that we take away our worry and concern and the things that often drive us and the things that consume us. Help us to have ourselves be consumed by you and know that you are our great reward. We are thankful that you have cared for us and that you will take care of us even in the darkness when it does not seem like we see any light. Watch over us, protect us, and be with us whole crowd here. Bring us back safely to this place, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.